Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Jesus, I pray in the name of God that everybody will be blessed by Dad's message, Lord, and I pray that this tonight would be a really good night in the name of God. Amen. It's here for Noah. Woo! Love that guy. We're going to spend tonight uh, in John chapter 11. So if you got your physical Bible, flip there. If you got your smartphone, I'm reading out of the New King James. That's what I usually read out of. Um, there's a lot of good translations, but I just I like to use the New King James. Uh, just as a heads up. But uh, flip there if you would. Tonight I'm going to do something I don't often do. I'm going to read a lot of this chapter. Which chapter you say, sir? John chapter 11, good sir. John chapter 11. So last week, if you recall, some of you were here, I talked about when we are misunderstood. We looked at the life of Mary of Bethany, a few different instances of how family misunderstood her, leaders misunderstood her, and how the Lord responded to that. So that's out on our website if you want to go through that. Now, I wanted to stay on this theme of misunderstanding, but tonight we're going to take a slight turn, and we're going to talk about when we misunderstand God, or when we misunderstand Jesus um, because if you've figured out, he does things uh, according to his own plans, and he doesn't always consult us. In fact, often he does not. He's God, he's all-knowing, and so he just does things, and he more or less expects that we will prayerfully keep up. And uh, I've noticed that, you know, as much as He's doing his best to be kind and merciful and keep on pace. He'll keep going and he'll just kind of wave, get up here, it's better close to me. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity, not only for us as, as believers who want to be in love with the Lord and zealous for us to be misunderstood, but we in turn misunderstand him. And I would venture to say that there's probably nobody more misunderstood than Jesus himself. And I would say that in the eternal sense. I mean, uh, God is just misunderstood by billions of people. But in the, in the sense of him being a man, I truly believe there was no one in his generation or in any generation that was more misunderstood. Nobody had pure motives and was misunderstood for them more than this man. Uh, he, he came to do the most selfless, sacrificial life ever, and people killed him for it. And so there was nobody who experienced more injustice, who is more misunderstood, who can more relate to the pains of today or in any generation than him. And yet, 
We kind of don't think about that, and we often question, what are you doing? Now, before I read John chapter 11, I want to make a statement. And this is a statement you can take to the bank, okay? This is a statement that has been tested and tried and proven true in many successive generations of church history. But one thing that is certain is that everything God is doing is for His highest glory and your greatest good. You can take it to the bank. Everything that's happening in the world today, none of it slipped His attention and everything that is going on is according to a blueprint that we cannot fully comprehend right now, but all of it is working so that He receives all the glory and so that your life is benefited to the highest degree. Can you imagine? I mean, what a deal. What a deal. The crazy thing is, though, is that billions of people don't believe this. Billions of people say, eh, if there's even a God, he's probably evil and disinterested and, you know, this or that. The truth of the Bible is that there is a God. He's revealed himself in Jesus Christ, and he's operating from a playbook where he is to receive all the glory And he also wants to bless your life and do as much good to you as you could ever imagine. And there's a number of verses we can look at, but just want to throw that out there. I'm going to say this again. God is doing everything for his highest glory and our greatest good. Again, that's not the message tonight. I just want to kind of level set with that because many people... I'll touch on it for a minute. Many people are like, well, why is God into himself so much that he needs all the glory? Here's the thing. When God is given glory, the best things happen. Amen. When God is worshipped and Jesus is talked about, things like justice happen and humility happens and mercy happens and all the good that we long for, blessing and prosperity, flows from him. And so when everything's in the right order and God is placed, number one, in the hearts of people and he's honored and hallowed and glorified, then the world spins the right way. When we take that away from him and we live for ourselves and live for our own glory and for self-worship and things like that, it all begins to break down. And yet God is merciful even when we do that. But I just want to say this and think of this in terms of your life, the way that God has led you to this point. Every up, every down, every mountaintop, every valley has truly been so that he would get the glory and so that you, all the good that you can imagine could come to your life. That's truly why he's led you. It's why he gave you the parents you have. It's why you've gone to, you know, lived in the places you've lived and gone through all the, like I said, the ups and downs. It's, it's so he could receive glory and so that he could bless your life. Now let's go to John chapter 11. I want to read for a moment. This is about 44 verses, so hang in there. I just love hearing the Bible. I may pause here and there and just throw in my two cents, but... The reason I'm reading John chapter 11 is because there's a whole mess of misunderstanding in this one chapter. 
And it's in the same neighborhood as last message. We're still talking about Mary of Bethany and Martha and Lazarus. I wanted to kind of stay parallel to that theme of last week. But man, this gets complicated. And man, there's misunderstanding. And man, we can relate to it. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes you go through a season and you're like, God, do you even know I, I'm alive? <laughs> or, uh, Lord, you sure you didn't miss it over here? Or I, I, I see that you're blessing that, but what, you know, what's going on here? I mean, shouldn't this have happened or that? And I want to assure you God knows what he's doing. And the reason why John chapter 11 is, is really helpful is because it's not just a whole mess of misunderstanding. It's, it's, it's kind of like, how do you say it? The, the whole circumstance revolves around a tragedy. And when there's a tragedy, the misunderstanding is exacerbated. It's, it's heightened. And so there's even more tension when there's a tragedy. And so we can all relate to this in some degree. We've all gone through something where there was not only misunderstanding, but there's painful stuff. And so let's read this. This is, I think it's helpful. But in John chapter 11, you all know the story, but the words are so helpful. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they did what we would do. We would, we would ask for the man of God to come heal our brother, you know, just like we would call the pastor. So they, they send for him. Verse 4, we, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. As you read, just think about what kind of misunderstanding is going to take place. Jesus means one thing. They're about to assume another thing. Misunderstanding begins to mount. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Why wouldn't you go there, Jesus, and do something? Why did you stay? Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Gotta love Thomas's two cents there. I think it's one of the more humorous verses in the Bible. Let us go that we may die with him. Wow. 
Okay, so verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she, uh, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. What a verse. Oh, my word. Yeah, I know one day he's going to get resurrected. I am the resurrection. Oh, my goodness, that's weighty. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then Jesus is speaking on 12 levels. Like everything he says is just so deep. And that's what you have to understand when you study Scripture. Jesus is speaking on many levels. He, he means... There, there is a plain meaning to Scripture, and there is, an applica- there is a, a specific uh, application, interpretation, revelation, but man, there's, there's levels, there's depths. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. It's pretty cool when Jesus is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house And comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, <clears throat> and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then one of the more powerful verses in the Bible, verse 35, just two words, Jesus wept. Wow, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? few more verses here. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who is dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Got to love how practical Martha is. Lord, I'd like you to inform you it stinks in there. Thank you, Martha. I'm kind of operating on a different blueprint right now, but appreciate that. I'll hold my nose. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, this is actually what he did say, by the way, I would have said the other things. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Wow, what a weighty thought. 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I just love the dead-raising prayer. I'm just kind of throwing in my two cents here. His dead-raising prayer is, Father, thank you that you hear me. <laughs> what, a, what a prayer. Listen to the prayer of Jesus, okay? Because this is God praying to God. It does not get any weightier. Father, I thank you. You've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Amen. I love this story. Tonight I want to touch briefly, briefly on two areas that we commonly misunderstand Jesus. Because we're human, because we're fallen, even when we're trying our best to be the most passionate disciple, Christ follower we know to be, we just don't get him sometimes. And it's, it's okay. It's, he knows who he's dealing with. In fact, if you do a study throughout the Gospels, the phrase, they did not understand, happens quite frequently. He knows who he was dealing with then, and he knows who he's dealing with today. He knows we're not going to get a lot of stuff. And he's so patient with us. But there is this place where we need to uh, exercise our, you know, like, Lord, I didn't get it, but help me get it. Whatever that's called. He says, yeah, do that. And I'm going to get to a couple solutions at the end. But just real quick, two areas where we commonly misunderstand Jesus. His ways, his leadership, his actions or his seeming inactions. And I'm talking not just in the you know, huge global sense, but just over your life. I mean, think of this in terms of your life. We tend to misunderstand what he's doing with us, with me, with you. The first thing that we so often do is that we assign our own meaning to what he is saying to us. And this happened a number of times throughout this passage. We have a view of how things should go. And so we interpret scripture or we interpret that still, small, subjective voice that the Spirit whispers to us from time and again. We interpret that often through our expectation or through what we want to happen. It's difficult sometimes to go, no, that's just what the Bible says. And so... I believe what it means. Or, you know, the, the, the Spirit whispers to our heart, the Lord talks to us. The challenge sometimes is to really hear it for how He meant it for our life. We so often want to just kind of take it and sort of, you know, go, oh, I don't like that, cut that out, and, you know, bring in this and, and kind of just do that, you know, theological gymnastics to it and just kind of make it, well, that's what God said. I've never done that. You've never done that. But someone else has, so that's why I'm saying. <laughs> but we so often, 
go, ah, yeah, I, I, th- I think that, you know, he said this, so this is, let me just share two quick examples. We see in the beginning of the chapter, Jesus was telling his, uh, Jesus is talking to uh, the sisters who went out to be with him, saying, Lord, he's sick, and Jesus just says plainly, this sickness is not unto death. Okay, he's not going to die, awesome. And Jesus is like, well, that's not what I meant. This sickness is not unto death, but about five verses later, he's telling his disciples he's dead. Now, what did Jesus mean? What Jesus meant was this sickness is not unto permanent death, but there's a little place in there where I'm not going to tell you, I want you to have faith. So this isn't unto permanent death, but there's a secret. And if you're responsive, if you're prayerful, you'll begin to discern something's about to happen. It's going to be cool. Now, here's the thing about the Lord. The Lord always gives pieces and phrases and nuggets, and we get to talk to him. We get to go to scripture. We get to read through Genesis to Revelation. And Lord, I know what you gave me isn't the entire thing. Help me, based on what you've given me, to take the next step, to have faith for the next thing. Because I know you. I know you don't just lay it all out like, guys, Lazarus is actually dead. I'm going to go raise him from the dead so that the most glory happens. And that he doesn't just lay out all 12 points. He gives about two and says, I'm not going to give you the, the other 10 and, until we talk a little bit. That's the thing. God is always doing things for his glory and our good. And part of that is relationship. He's a relational God. And so he could literally just say, okay, here's what's going to happen. Point one through 12, and I'm going to do all 12. How's that? Well, that's not very fun. You told us everything, and then he did everything. What what do you need us for? That's not what God's like. God is so relational and so participative. He'll say, well, I'm going to do 12 things. I'm going to tell you one of them, and you're going to be involved in doing about 10 and three-fourths. I mean, I'm going to be involved in empowering you, but I'm not going to do all of it. You're going to do a lot of it. And in the end, we go, you did it all. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, I was there. I was, I was inspiring and helping, and you did it, and we did it. And you kind of get my gist. Now, let's do a little more clearly here. Uh, if you flip over to verse 23 and 24, Jesus clearly says to Martha, Martha, your brother will rise again. This is after everybody knew he was dead for a few days. Martha, your brother is going to rise again. What does Martha do? I know, I know. I know my doctrine of the resurrection. I know that there's going to come a time where all the saints are resurrected and we live in heaven on a new earth with our Lord. And it's going to be so great. And, and it's like, he's like, Martha, 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 it's great that you have the doctrine of the resurrection down, but I'm talking about right now. I am the resurrection. I'm about to do a full-blown miracle here. And so instantly, Martha's going to where she thinks it's going when Jesus meant something else entirely. And so often what gets in the way of our faith or what gets in the way of, what I mean by that is having faith for a situation or what gets in the way of us understanding his heart in a situation is we just automatically go to what we know. We go to our favorite doctrine or we go to our most comfortable doctrine or we go to you know, just what we think he should do, and then we just begin to make assumptions. And we begin to misunderstand him. And that, that friends, if we don't 
correct that, it's a seedbed of offense. Because you line a bunch of those up and then we start to think, well, God's completely missed it with my life. You know, he didn't do this, this, and this, and he's up there the whole time going, if that would have happened, oh my word, it would have been way worse. So much of our journey, he has spared us from so much we, we can't imagine. The big question that looms over this whole thing is, God, why? Why did that happen? Why did that thing happen to me? Why did that thing happen to my family? What? Why, God? And his answer is, so that God's glorified and for your good. But I don't understand that. You don't have to understand that. You have to trust it's for my glory and for your good. It's real. Now, not everybody, unfortunately, who dies gets resurrected and gets another chance. I wish that was the case. But I can assure you, what you've gone through and what I've gone through, God's getting glory for it, which is good, and it's benefiting you in some way, shape, or form we may not fully understand until we get to glory. Now, another way we misunderstand him other than assigning our own meaning to what he says is we assign our time frame to what he says. Well, the man of God prophesied so-and-so, and I thought it would happen tomorrow. And the Lord's like, well, that's 10 years from now. Well, I read in the Bible and I believed it and I just want it to happen. God's like, that's going to happen in 30 years. Well, we told him he's sick and he stayed two days. Why didn't he hurry up? And then again, he's on a whole different blueprint and plan. He's after the most glory. Imagine if the story was Jesus got there in time and gave him some medicine and he recovered. No one would like that story. No one would be like, wow, he's, 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 a, he's God. But because he waited and he's really dead now and Martha's like, he even stinks. And then he's resurrected, not just kind of recovered a little from a cold. He's actually resurrected from physical death. Then we go, we're dealing with God. This isn't just a, a, a tricky physician this is, this is, I see he waited so we would know he was really dead. And so now we really appreciate that God is among us. You see how he gets more glory out of that? Again, if he just, oh, he's sick, let's run and, you know, give him some Benadryl and tell him to sleep more. And, and I, that might have been wise, but no one would worship him for that. And so many of the tragedies, many of the trials and the things we go through where it seemed like God was just totally apathetic, totally in the, like, where are you at? He was actually getting more glory through that situation. Now, some people, the full testimony doesn't manifest for decades. So this happened back here. It looked like he was completely not involved, but he's actually setting you up for a whole 40-year journey so that through that he gets even more glory, just like Joseph. You know, you read the story of Joseph. I'm listening to that on my audio Bible lately, and every time I listen to it, it just gets richer and better. It's like, wow, he started way back here when he was a kid to do the whole thing where now he's reigning in Egypt so that God is glorified. So that God is talked about, so that all of us have that beautiful five verses that says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I mean, imagine if that's not in our Bible. 
mean, how many millions of Christians have those three verses helped? Like, okay, you meant it for evil, but I know God meant that for good for my life. And I so appreciate the people in the Bible who literally like went through the most junk ever just so I can have like the verse that, that they gave us. And so I can be like, wow. You know, you think about David getting nearly killed by Saul so many times. I'm like, well, thank you, David, for doing that. Now I have all these cool Psalms. You know, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, I had to go through a lot to give you those. But there's so many people in the Bible because they went through stuff we're so helped, and what you go through, other people are going to be helped. Now, that's part of God getting the glory. So don't ever think, I don't know what everybody's gone through in this room. I just know this. God, in his sovereign wisdom, he's allowing certain things beyond our comprehension so that he's glorified and so that all the good that he can possibly bless you with comes into your life. You really do have a good father, and he's not trying to slight you. He's trying to bless you. Jesus came not only to give you life, but to give you life more abundant. The real spiritual life, kingdom, heavenly life. So we put our time frame. We put, we put our meaning on his words, and then we go ahead and we put our time frame on his words. Again, John eleven twenty one and 32. Let's look at this. Martha uh, said, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. It wasn't just Martha that said that because we could be like, well, Martha was the one that didn't really listen to him. And Mary said the exact same words. I don't know if you've ever caught that reading the story. Both Mary and Martha say the exact same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. You would have just come two days earlier. If you would have just, you know, and how often do we do that? Once again, I know it's hard, but we have to trust that his timing is right and his delays are right and his intervention is right. And I'm just glad that I don't have to figure that all out. I'm glad that he has that under his control. Let me just touch on two solutions very briefly because I've gone for a while here. Hmm? 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 Okay, since you insist, buckle up. Two solutions here. So I've talked about two ways we commonly misunderstand. Now let's two solutions so that we can understand. First of all, is just to be aware of our own ability to have these misconceptions and misunderstandings. Once we kind of know about it, we can kind of go, oh, maybe that prophecy I received I mean, I, so I'll just use a common example. You know, you're in a prayer line and someone says, you're going to have a healing ministry. It's going to be so powerful. What do we do? We go, we think, well, it's going to be this worldwide ministry. I'm going to be known by billions of people and I'm going to be so awesome. And what the Lord meant was like, you're going to be in nursing homes ministering to the elderly and no one will know about it. You see how that happens? So the, the man of God loudly proclaims in front of everybody in the church, healing ministry, power. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, this is my moment. I'm going to be so big. And the Lord's like, well, you're going to be big to me, but so few people will actually know about you. You're going to minister and like no one's going to know, but it is going to be powerful and people will get touched. And, and there are people who are going to be known. 
But it's like 0.01% of the body of Christ. Don't, don't set your heart on that. A lot of people get off because they really thought like, well, I was being obedient so that I would be this huge influencer with millions of followers and, you know, the whole country would know me and I'd travel the nations and that didn't happen. So I'm, just set your heart on just loving Jesus. If you're supposed to be the biggest thing ever, just God will do it. But don't try to get there uh, by you doing it. I mean, just I urge people to set your heart not on fame, but just on being totally fascinated with Jesus. Man, I want to do, I don't even, I mean, the more, the older I get, I just don't even waste, I don't want to waste my time on that. Like we got a whole generation trying to be famous on on, uh, Instagram and YouTube and it's just, what's, I mean, if it happens, it happens, be faithful and steward that ministry, but I tell you what, being able to just be at home alone and love Jesus, that's like the real gold, guys. Guys and gals, that's the gold. To be able to sit on my couch, open the Bible, and just love it, that's the, that's the good stuff you want to have. And if you do that for your whole life and then people recognize you and you're, you know, you're a big thing, go with it. That's a, I've, got on, I've gotten off to a rabbit trail there. I'll get back on the message. But let's live to be fascinated, not famous. All right? Now, if that's what God calls you to do, be faithful to do it. I've actually been somewhat intrigued by this idea of, like, fame. And so I've, I've studied it in a, in a very small way. But do you know what people who are truly famous, do you know what they say? They say, I wish I wasn't all the time. So one of the most famous people on earth today, his name's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's one of the most famous soccer players alive. I mean, he's, he, his dude is very well known. Far more than any American athlete. I mean, this is worldwide. He says, if, if there was a dollar amount I could pay to not be famous, I would pay it. This is a man who has bought entire islands so he could have a private island so he could be alone with his family. That, we're talking that level of fame. Okay, so I've studied it a little just to understand the psychology of it. We, we aren't meant to have that. We are meant to love God, be loved by God, and be, you know, small. <laughs> I don't understand why so many... Anyway, that's a whole other message. Whole other message. Jesus can handle fame. The rest of us just let's... Uh, thank you, honey, for whatever you just did there. You're famous to me. Okay, moving on, the, the second thing. So be, just be aware. Our propensity is so often to look at that scripture. Oh my goodness, Jesus talked about, I'm gonna, you know, and we just take it, you know, wherever we want it to go. Try your best when reading scripture to just see what it says and just believe that like a child. Okay, I don't understand it. Help me understand that, Lord. That's really intense. Why has it gotta be intense? Talk to him about it. That's really cool. I want that. Talk to him about it. So approach the scripture and approach the subjective, like when the prophetic happens or, you know, whatever. Try to just, like I've had a number of prophetic things happen to me that are just so mysterious and I could so easily just make assumptions. But over time, it, it, it's, it's, it was proven like that wasn't at all what I was thinking. And so just understand the Lord will keep you on your toes. He'll give you some pieces and just keep your heart open to what that all means. Number two, so we're to be aware of our propensity and we're to be prayerful. Be prayerful. 
Ephesians 1, 17 to 18. This is the apostolic prayer that so many of us know. It's Paul's prayer that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I'm going to flip over there so I can say the exact words. Galatians, Ephesians 1, 16, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding. Paul's like, if you pray, revelation will touch you, you'll understand more. So much of us connecting to the mystery of what Jesus is doing with our little life and the lives of those that, are, that we uh, care for and our ministries and our businesses and, and life. If we talk to him, he gives us a little bit more. If we live totally disconnected, we get a little less. Not that he's trying to be mean, not that he's trying to withhold, but we have a, a participation in it. If we study scripture, we'll know a little more. If we talk to the author, he'll share a little more. And, and we'll have a little more clarity. We'll be able to help people a little more. And so many Christians come up with this doctrine that allows them to be completely like, I don't have any responsibility. It is finished. It's just going to happen. And they have these kind of blanket statements they live by. Like, I don't have to do anything. I can live however I want, and God's just going to do it. And the Lord's like, no, that's not it at all. I am going to do everything, but I'm going to do it through willing participants that I love and who love me, and I'm going to give them little pieces, and they're going to give that away, and more people will connect to those pieces, and then the ball will get rolling, and then movements happen, and then that connects to that, and then people get saved, and healings happen. That's just how it happens. But it's always willing participants. It's people who believe God is sovereign, but man is responsible. Like God's going to do it, but we're involved. And so we have to, again, be aware of our propensity to misunderstand him and then be prayerful. I, I tell people all the time, the most practical thing you can do is just study your Bible and pray every day. You might have five, 10 minutes. Give that to the Lord once a day. You stack up 10 minutes for years and years. You put that, I mean, that's a lot of Bible knowledge and prayer. Amen. Amen. We'll end right there. I think I made it in under an hour or under 45 minutes. Woo. Praise the Lord. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change it up a little bit tonight. I'm going to do question and answer on this topic for like five minutes. And then we're going to end with a prayer for a friend. And so anything that was like, what did you say? Is that, well, that was confusing. Anything that you'd like me to clear up briefly, uh, I'll just, every once in a while, I like to do a little bit of that, and then we'll do, we'll close with prayer. But would there be any questions? Um, Caleb, you got one to stump dad? Oh, boom, we got one. Okay. All right. It was darn good. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I, you guys are being too kind. I was asking for questions, and you're just giving me encouragements. I guess we'll do encouragement time from now on. <laughs> but seriously, though, anything I could clear up? Or... I have a question. Sure, go ahead. Do you know how many people Jesus... 
Mm. How many people Jesus raised from the dead? I have a feeling you may know more than me. I don't. Other than Lazarus, I, I don't know. It was less than, than I think I would imagine. But at the resurrection, a lot of people were resurrected. When he was resurrected, the Bible says a lot of other saints were resurrected. I don't know if the number is given, but it wasn't. I'm thinking, I, I mean, now it's coming back to me. There was, there was, the, there was a daughter. Yes, there was a little girl. Somebody, right. Okay. And he told all the relatives who were wailing to get out of the room. Right, right. Okay. And then there was uh, the widow's son. Mm. So there's two more, but I don't know. That yeah, it was a I small handful. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Say there's this guy, uh, David Hogan. Oh, uh, you've heard about don't him. get me started on Brother Hogan. I love I that man. Know, really, oh, oh, I love I that man. Their ministry has seen hundreds. Him personally is dozens. But they've, they, I grew up watching David Hogan videos. Like literally grew up in the Lord watching every sermon he ever preached. Like as much as I could get my hands on. And that, that man is a true gift of, from God. A lot of people don't care for him because he's real gruff. But I think you would be if you, if you lived his life. And, and, I mean, the man's been stoned. He's been left for dead. He's been nearly martyred many times. Oh, yeah, he's been through it. He's a, he's a true Paul. He's a real Paul today. I mean, I just truly believe that. I think everybody thinks they're Paul, but he's really a, a, Paul, a modern-day Paul. I mean, when you travel the world preaching the gospel and you see signs and wonders like that, and so... Oh, yeah, go on. See, here's the thing. When I was first saved, we didn't even have the Internet or YouTube or anything. But now, so none of his stuff, his stuff was just on CDs and cassettes. Now it's on YouTube. And I'm telling you, his stories are just, yeah, that's for, the, the, for tonight. Go, go you, uh, search David Hogan missionary, because there's other David Hogans, and just watch videos of him talk. And he's, he, I mean, he's got a beard, so he's a good guy. He's, some of his sermons he's got way down here, and then sometimes it's trimmed, but. Good man. And I've actually met him. I've, I've had him pray for me. I saw him, my wife and I went to see him preach once. And I've never seen crazier stuff happen in a prayer line in my life. I mean, people shooting all over. It's, it, I mean, the power of God's on his life. And I was actually, true story, I was so nervous when he came to pray for me. I was just like, oh, what's going to happen? Because, I mean, this lady next to me just shot back. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, my whole life been waiting for this moment. I mean, this is a really true story. I was like, what is going to happen to me? I might explode or something. This man is a man of God. And he pulls out his hanky. I mean, he is truly southern, western. He pulls out his hanky. And I'm just like, what's he going to do, you know? And he just goes, mercy. And then he just moves on. Oh, thank you, God, that you spared me from whatever was about to happen. I mean, I saw some lady do a full-blown back bend that was so weird. And I mean, I'm like, what is going to happen? So good man. Yeah. Speaking of resurrections, watch some David Hogan videos. That's, that's a good thing. But no, I, I've met him and I can, I can assure you he is intense. But he, he's, a, he's a man of God.
other questions, other thoughts? Well, a thought came to me when uh, Jesus wept, right? After, after Mary had, uh, had said, you know, if you had been here, you were fine, and he saw him, and he, was, he wept after that. And uh, I think it might be tied to how Jesus, he said he didn't do anything except for what his father tells him to do. Mm. You know, so it's just like, it's kind of, it was like an experience for him too, like, right? Wow. And that's how he was able to have more empathy and compassion, I think. Wow. Wow, yeah, that's right. Wow. So he saw his father was like, I want this man raised from the dead. And his father was grieved. So Jesus is like in tune with that. Yeah, Jesus wasn't just going around doing whatever he wanted. He was just completely in line with the father's will, 100%. And so that is an excellent point, brother. He was, I mean, this gives us a picture of God. God's not just like this stoic God who kind of just generates miracles. I mean, he, he knew he was going to be raised from the dead, and yet he still wept. Like, wow, what compassion. He's just an amazing man. Great stuff. Jen, did you have something? I thought I saw the hand. Okay. Might have just been an itch or something. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let's. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think I've gone long here. Let's let's do this. The person closest to you, just have a quick prayer. Like you pray for them, they pray for you. Maybe just get like a, you know, hey, what would you like prayer for? But let's just end with that, and then we'll close it out for tonight. And if you're still with us on Facebook, thanks for hanging with us. We will do this again uh, next Friday, seven o'clock, Lord willing. And we bless you and we'll see you next time. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.